Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can call in. Maybe you've had something as you've been reading your Bible that you're unsure about, you've struggled to understand um, maybe something you've always wondered about. This is a great opportunity for you to call in and get an answer to that question. Hopefully we'll be able to give that to you or bring some clarity, have a great discussion about that topic that you've been reading about in your Bible, maybe a thing you've always wondered about. Maybe somebody else asked you a question about the Bible and you weren't exactly sure how to answer it. Give me a call. I'd love to discuss it with you, hopefully bring some clarity to areas where there has been a lack of clarity for you in regard to the Bible. So give me a call with your Bible questions. Also, give me a call with your prayer requests. I'd love to pray for you. And we have a lot of people listening, tuning in, both online and over the air in cities all over the United States. And we would love to pray for your prayer requests and lift those up to the Lord so that everybody who's listening can say yes and amen and agree together in prayer for that thing that you're going through. And lift it up to the Lord together. So give me a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can also text me at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, we want to just remind you that those of you listening on uh, Hope FM and Truth FM, uh, you are hearing the show on a one-week delay. So we want you to keep that in mind, just know about it, but we also want you to call in, be part of the show, and we would love to hear from you and pray for you answer your questions, and connect with you. I also want to welcome those of you who are listening now. We have more stations who have joined the Calvary Live listening family, a whole network of stations across the south in the southern states of the U.S., starting in Texas, going all the way to Florida, in all the southern states. So welcome to you. We know that in Amarillo, Texas, is I believe where the network of, of radio stations is based. So welcome to our listeners in Amarillo. But welcome to all of our listeners in the southern part of the United States. Maybe some of you, I know this is a new show for you on your local station, so welcome to Calvary Live. We would love for you to call in with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests, be part of this growing family of people who are listening over the air, all over the United States, and over the internet, even outside of the United States, and into Europe, Africa. We have listeners in South America and Asia as well. And so we want to welcome all of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from, Greetings to all of our online listeners, and for those of you out there who don't yet have the Grace FM app on your device, meaning on your tablet or on your smartphone, really encourage you to go and get that free app. Just type in Grace FM as one word in the App Store, and you can get that app 
on your device for free. Once it's set up on there, there are a few cool features other than listening to the radio, but the primary feature is that you're able to tune in to Grace FM, to this show here, Calvary Live, and also to all the other great Bible teaching and programming that is on this show, as well as music as well. So really encourage you to go and get that app, and greetings to those of you who are tuning in around the world and listening. It looks like we have some listeners in Europe today, as well as listeners um, in Florida, California, uh, Washington State. Looks like we've got North Dakota representing all over Colorado and New Mexico. Looks like we've got listeners in Kansas City area as well as the East Coast. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in. So glad to have you with us. Again, this is the show where you can call with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life that you'd love some biblical perspective on. If you have a prayer request, we want to pray for you. So give us a call or text us. Once again, the call in line, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself as we wait for those calls to come in. Uh, My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And our church meets it at, uh, at our location here, I'll give you the address, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. So 2950 Longmont, uh, 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont. And our zip code is 80504, which if you know the area around here, you know that means that we're on the east side of Longmont. So where we're located is just on Highway 119, east of County Line Road, which means east of downtown Longmont. We're east of County Line Road. And we're just west of I-25. So we're right in between I-25 and County Line Road on Highway 119. We're directly north of Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is where the sports complex is. There's a, there's a skate park there. There's also a Walmart there across the street from us here on 119. So if you're ever traveling on Highway 119 in between County Line Road and Longmont, uh, and I-25, just look to the north, and you can't miss us. We've got a huge sign that you can see from the highway, and we're right there. And so we'd love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Just consider this a personal invitation from me to come out this Sunday and worship with us. We recently started a new study in which we're studying through the book of First Corinthians. And uh, I've taught through First Corinthians at the church that I pastored before I came here to Fields. I've never taught it here at Whitefield, so I'm excited to be going through it. Tomorrow, or sorry, not tomorrow, Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, in which Paul talks about the importance of growing as a Christian and how growth takes place practically. We're going to see that in order for growth to take place, we need a couple things. One of the things we need is nourishment. We need the spiritual nourishment of God's Word. We also need um, construction, right? So it's, it takes effort and construction that we put effort into our growth, and we are building a life upon the foundation of Jesus, and it matters how we do that. Furthermore, uh, spiritual growth requires exercise, just like physical growth does. You, we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and that doesn't mean work for our salvation. It means work it out. Now that you are saved, how does that work out practically in your life? Live it out. Exercise that faith that trust in Jesus. And if you do those things, you're going to grow. The the problem with the Corinthians was that even though they had been Christians, they weren't making progress in their faith. And Paul says there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 25, he says that I am with you as an apostle, as a brother, as a pastor, 
my purpose with you is to help, he says two things, your progress, number one, and number two, your joy. So he's a helper over your joy. But he says, my goal is for you to progress. God wants you to progress, right? The idea, we use this metaphor from the Bible of walking with God. Think about what walking implies. It implies step by step in a particular direction. And as you are making those steps, you're making progress. You're moving away from some things. You're moving towards something else. And so we're walking with God, and the goal is that we would make progress. And what happens if you look at your life and you don't see that progress? That's what we're going to be talking about this Sunday. How can we progress? How can we grow as children of God? You know, it says that when you put your faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. But the thing is this, if you always stay a baby Christian, well, that's not honoring to God, and it's actually pretty frustrating for you and for other people around you. Because I've had a couple babies, and man, Babies are a lot of work. And the reason they're a lot of work is because they make messes. They're messy, they're dirty, they're difficult, and of course they're cute. God made them cute so that we would still want to raise them even though they're difficult and dirty and, and, and all those things. And so we, though, want to move past those childish things and we want to grow as, uh, as children of God. So that's what we're going to be talking about this Sunday. We'd love to have you worship with us at the church. I pastor again, Whitefields Community Church. We're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in the city of Longmont. Uh, we'd love to have you visit us for directions and all the good stuff you need, like listening to past sermons, watching our videos, stuff like that. Check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. But uh, we'd love to have you join us. We have three Sunday morning services. So join us at any of those three services. The service times are 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. So 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m. Let me say that again. 8, 9.30, and 11 uh, for worship service on Sunday. We'd love to have you with us. And you can also watch and uh, join us for church online at whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me every weekday here on Calvary Live. I'm on twice a day at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m every weekday, so 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. every weekday, and then Sundays I'm on at 1 p.m. And if you're a podcast listener, um, I have a podcast that I'd love for you to check out. It is called Theology for the People, which is exactly what it sounds like. I'm trying to take theology and, and bring it down to the level and communicate it on a level where people can really comprehend and understand some of these terms that can sometimes seem abstract. This week, my episode was on hermeneutics, which is the uh, act of interpreting the Bible. And how do we correctly interpret what the Bible says? A lot of people would say, I just read the Bible and I do what it says. Yes, but you're interpreting. What about people who read those verses and they believe that they mean something else other than what you believe, right? So it doesn't mean that both interpretations are equally correct, right? There is one truth. So how do we read the Bible and correctly read it so that we understand the truth that it has to say. That's what I talk about on the podcast this week. You can check that out in your podcast store by just searching up Theology for the People. It'll come right up, and you can listen to that episode. But for now, let's get to our first caller, Justin, in Longmont, Colorado. Justin, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going, Pastor Nick? Going great. Hey, uh, so I had a question on Second Samuel 24. Just kind of like clarification how the Lord anger was kindled against Israel, and then he incites David to count the Israelites, and just kind of like, was like, why was uh, the Lord angry? Why did David, I, I kind of understand why David wanted to count the Israelites, but also like, 
was that just something that the Lord had him do? So I'm just, just like calling for some clarification on that. And then maybe even like, even in depth further after that, like, what is, is there any metaphors between like the chosen, uh, like, uh, the way that God judges Israel, like through the plague or like those different, uh, those three different choices he gives David. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at those choices again. I've, uh, I love teaching First and Second Samuel. I started teaching it up at the Bible College here near us in Longmont uh, that's up in Estes Park. Um, and I definitely taught on this passage. I'm trying to recall what I said and what those three choices were. So, But first, let me answer that first part of the question. So in Second Samuel 24, verse 1, right, it says this, The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he, so the Lord, incited David against them, saying, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. Okay, so the Lord essentially incites David to take a census, and as a result of David taking that census, the Lord is upset because David is taking the census in a way because David is trusting in, basically kind of patting himself on the back and saying, oh, now I'm secure because look at how big my army is. Look at how many people I have, right? Look at how much money I have, as, as opposed to, you know, trusting in the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't ever count things. I think that sometimes this verse is used. In fact, I know it's used, and I've probably used it myself at some times in the past to say that, hey, you know, it's probably not a good thing for us to be counting things and things like that. I actually changed my view on that because I noticed that Jesus says in Luke 15 that, um, you know, this talks about the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after the one who has strayed away. Well, how do you know that the one is strayed away if you're not keeping an eye on your flock, if you're not counting and you're like, hey, I'm one short, where's that one at, right? So all that to say, I think that in order to be a good shepherd and steward, we do need to take account of what God has given us. And actually in the book of Numbers, for example, they're told to count the people. So it isn't that counting people is wrong. It's the reason why David did it and the heart with which he did it. But that doesn't, uh, I still haven't yet addressed your question. Here's what makes your question so interesting. And I want to say a little bit more complicated is because in the parallel account of this incident, which is found in 1 Chronicles 21 verse 1, it says that it was actually Satan who rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. Okay, so that's interesting, right? Second Samuel 24 says that the Lord was upset with Israel and the Lord incited David to take a census. First Chronicles 21 verse 1 says that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census. So to, to answer that, I don't think that this is that hard to reconcile. It simply means this. Um, as we see in other places in the Bible, right, God is not the author of evil, but rather he oftentimes, in order to achieve his purposes, sometimes God will sovereignly allow Satan to act. And one of the ways that Satan acts, of course, is by tempting us to do things. So you could see this as a test from God, knowing that David was going to fail the test, and knowing that through that, God was going to teach something. God was going to accomplish something. So from Satan's perspective, he was given permission to do something. From God's perspective, he knew exactly what he was seeking to accomplish through allowing Satan to do this. 
I think this is really interesting because, I, I mean, in a way, this is what God did with Job, right? So, so you have God allowing Job to suffer in some ways, and the way that he allows Job to suffer is that he gives permission to Satan to buffet him or to, you know, allow or to bring calamity into his life. But the whole purpose with it in the end is so that God can strengthen Job, so that God can have this great conversation with Job that's going to strengthen people for generations. It's so that God gets the glory and people's faith is, you know, people's bad theology is corrected right? The bad things happen to bad people, basically kind of a karma idea and good things happen to good people. So through the story of Job, God corrects that for all of eternity. And he does something wonderful in Job's life. Of course, it wasn't wonderful in the moment when he was going through it. Yeah, I guess you could think about it like this. You know, um, a test and a trial in the New Testament, it's the same word, test and trial. And I'll give you another one. It's also sometimes the same word as temptation. So sometimes you read, for example, in the New Testament, that it says that God tempted Abraham, but another translation of that same verse will say God tested Abraham. So which one was it? Was it a temptation or was it a test? Well, it was both. The temptation is a test. God allows Satan to tempt us in order to test us because the New Testament tells us that the testing of our faith produces incredible things in our lives, right? Like a muscle. If there's never any resistance, we can't grow. And faith is like a muscle. You have to use it, and you can't use it unless you ever face a temptation, or a trial. I guess you could think about it like this. When they're doing research and development on a new Jeep, for example, what do they do with that Jeep? They take it out in the mountains, and they just run that thing hard, right? They run it against rocks. They run it over rocks and rivers and boulders, and they're going hard. And their purpose with that is what? what? What is the point of doing that? Is it to break the car? In a way, it is. It's to put it, test, test it to its limits. But the end goal is not to break it and leave it destroyed. The end goal is that through that testing process, the, the weaknesses will be revealed so that they can then be strengthened. And I think the same is true in our lives. And there's one last verse that I want to throw in here, but then I want to hear... Uh, and let's discuss this this option, the, the options that God gave David. Um, but the last verse I want to throw out there, which I think is so important, is first, or sorry, it's just Chronicles. I'm sorry, once again, I'm wrong. Not Chronicles, Colossians. So Colossians, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 23, but I'm going to check. It's not 1, verse 23. I'm going to have to find it here. Okay, here's here's what the verse says. It says that Jesus defeated Satan and he led him in um he led him in a victory march. Basically, what it means is that he subdued Satan and he put him to shame. Public shame is what it says. And for some reason I'm not finding that verse. I thought it was right there. Um I'll I'll find it for you and for everybody listening. But the point is this is that Jesus defeated Satan and led him in public, put him to public disgrace. And I think that's such an important verse because it helps us to understand that so Jesus has won the battle, and how does God then put Satan to 
public disgrace. It's actually what it's describing there in Colossians is that it's what a Roman army would do when they defeated uh, another army that was either attacking them or they conquered them. What they would do is they would capture them, they'd put them in chains, and then they would lead them through the streets of Rome and humiliate them. And the humiliation was that they had lost their freedom and people would throw things at them and mock them and, and all that. But again, the point just being that um, what does it mean for Satan to be in public disgrace or public shame? What it means is that um, the ultimate shame that Satan faces is that God has now, um, see, I'm still looking for that verse. It's Colossians 2, verse 15. That's the verse I'm looking for. Here's what it says. Colossians 2, 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. So that's speaking of spiritual rulers and authorities, demons and Satan, and put them to open humiliation by triumphing over them. So what it means there is that this, how does God put Satan to humiliation? Well, here's how. He allows him to do things, but in the end, all of those things that God allows him to do ultimately come back and serve God's purposes. So think about how frustrating that would be if you had an enemy and they said, okay, you can do this, but everything you did and you think that you're really, you know, hurting your enemy, but in the end, all you're doing is serving the enemy's purposes anyway. It's the ultimate frustration, the ultimate defeat, the ultimate um, humiliation. And so that's how God works uh, and how these things can both be true at the same time. Does that, does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So I, I don't know how much time you got. I know it's been a long call, but um, in so the three choices we talked about were in Second Samuel 24, he goes on and says this, go tell David, so he's, God's speaking to the prophet Gad, who is the prophet at this time, go tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three choices, choose one of them. So Gad came to David and told him, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land, or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. I'm trying to remember which one David chose. Do you remember? He chose the the three days of plague because he, and that's what I was kind of curious about too, because I think he said like he doesn't want to be routed by the enemy or something. And it would be better to be in like God's hands and the enemy's hands or something. And then I was kind of curious too, like, I don't know, like, what would you have chose or like, mm. I don't know. Cause it seems like those three days he was like, Oh, maybe I'll just choose the three days and not seven years and kind of pull a fast one or something. And it's like that angel just was like rain, like 30,000 people or I don't know. Died. Yeah. There's like, no, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go and research that and remember what I said. I think I've got notes on that. Maybe I can share it with you, but, um, 70,000 yeah. people died is what it says. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go back and look at my notes and see. Because, like, I studied this and taught it, and it's just not not clicking right now what the, you know, understanding of this is that helps us understand why he chose that and if it was good or bad. For sure. So All I'll right. get back to you on that. Maybe I'll even be able to research it during our two-minute break coming up um, and find my notes yep. on that. But, uh, hey, thanks for the call. Great question. And keep reading that Bible. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Nick. All right. right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie. Let's go to our next caller, Shane in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hi, Shane. Welcome to the program. 
Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Doing great. Um, just calling in for a prayer request. That's um, been years and years. It's definitely a family. Um, but uh, I have been doing some backsliding lately, and uh, there's, there's just been some drugs and stuff that are coming back into my life. And, you know, I, I really relate to a verse that talks about, you know, at this time you should be well-seasoned in the faith, you should be feeding on the meat of the Bible, and instead you're still a babe and you're, you're, you're feeding on milk. And, and it's, not, it's not healthy, it's not spiritual maturity. Mm. Um, so it, it's breaking my heart. I'm doing my best not to tear up right now. Um, but I just, I really need prayer and I'm, I'm really broken. Mm. Yeah. Shane, I just want to remind you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that applies to you too. You know, I think that there's a healthy, healthy way for us when we realize that we're in sin, that we're backsliding, that we should weep over it. We should cry. You know, it's interesting, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are you who do what? Right? Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you who are spiritually poor. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, is he just talking about mourning in general? I don't think so. I think what he's talking about is he's saying this. It, this is a progression, right? You know how to be really blessed? Number one, admit that you are poor in spirit, that you're spiritually bankrupt. That's the way to inherit the kingdom of heaven. The second step to inherit the kingdom of heaven is to mourn, to weep over your condition, to mourn over the fact that you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But you know what's the good news of the gospel? Is that one day in Jesus, as we mourn now, he will turn our weeping into laughter, right? Our tears will turn to joy because we will be comforted as we weep over these things. But here's the thing I want to remind you, too. As we weep over them, we can't just stop there. We can't just stop with feeling bad. We have to say, okay, now, Jesus, you pick me up off the ground, and I'm going to take your hand, and one step at a time, I'm going to walk with you forward. I'm going to walk with you out of this place and into the new life that you have for me. Just like Abraham, right? Think about Abraham. Walk with me. He walked with God, and God said, I'm going to show you where to go. And all Abraham had to do was take one step at a time. And that's the nice thing, you know? How do you get from where you are to where God wants you to be? Really good news, man. All you got to do is take the next step and keep making those steps one at a time. You don't have to, you know, take a giant leap. You don't have to, you know, run a marathon. You know, all you got to do is take God's hand and walk with him. And as you walk with him one little step at a time, you're going to be leaving those other things behind you, and you're going to be walking into the life that God has for you. So I want to remind you, there's no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. But it's good, man, for you to weep over those things and to say, hey, Lord, I need your help to leave these things behind, to really honor you, and to, to really walk with you in the way you want me to go. So let me pray for you, Shane. Lord, we lift up Shane to you. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his desire to know you and to walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen him. Lord, I pray that you would help him to take your hand and walk with you. I pray that you would loose those desires that he has. Take them away from him. The, the desires 
for the flesh, the desires for drugs, the desires for sinful things. And Lord, build within him a hunger for the meat, for the true spiritual food, for the real thing, for substance that's going to fill him and not leave him feeling empty like junk food and candy, but the real stuff that's going to satisfy his soul that's only found in you. And so, Lord, I pray for him that you'd help him get connected to your body. Lord, you'd put other believers around him in a way that strengthens him and, Lord, helps him to walk with you. We pray blessing and strength for Shane. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank Shane, you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thanks for calling in, Shane. Hey, we've come up on our two-minute break right in the middle of our show, so we'll be right back in two minutes' time with Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. I'd love to answer those questions you have about God and the Bible. So give us a question. Uh, give us a call. The number to call is 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 0897. That's 720 336 0897. We've got one open line. So definitely give us a call if you'd like to. Let's go to our next caller, Jesse in New Jersey. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's going on? Hey, um, so my question is based on um, one of my favorite words in the Bible, uh, something I feel like the Lord's been put on my heart to look more into is the word abide um, from John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me from the vine near the branches. Um, and so my question is, is, can we do, you know, read the Bible and pray and go to church but still do Christian things, but not be abiding in Him, because I, I feel like sometimes I'm doing, you know, the, the, using the tools God's given us to connect, but, you know, am I really abiding in Him? Am I really, how do I know if I'm connected to Him um, when I'm doing those things? You just explain yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, no, great, great question. Yeah, to abide, what does it mean? It means to remain it means to dwell. It means to stay connected. And the picture that Jesus gives us there in John chapter 15 is the picture of a vine that's um, attached to the branch, right? And Or a branch, branches that are attached to the vine. Now, like, okay, for example, in my front yard, um, my neighbor has this apple tree that leans over my yard. And, you know, let's imagine that I really like apples. And so I say, hey, I want to have some apples anytime I want. So what I do, I go get my chainsaw and I cut off the branch that hangs over my yard, and I take it into my kitchen. I say, hey, honey, look, now we've got apples whenever we want them. We'll have apples forever. And of course, I'm not going to have apples forever because I just cut that branch off from the source of its life, which is the tree. And so the, the same idea here is this, that Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you stay connected to me, you'll bear much fruit, and you'll bring much glory to God. And so... It's pretty important, as you said, 
for us to abide in Jesus. And how do we do that? Is it possible to just go through the motions and do Christian things, but not actually be abiding in Christ? I think the answer is clearly yes. You know, like clearly we can go through the motions and not be truly abiding in Christ. And so your question was, how do we know if we're doing it or not? And I would say that this is one of those areas where it'd be so easy. You know, in our human tendency, we love to be able to tick the box, right? And say, technically, I have done it. We love that word, technically, right? Like, technically, I've done it. And so we say, oh, well, I've done the things. I've done all the Christian things, and therefore, I must be abiding in Christ. Now, what Jesus came and he said, like in, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, he goes against this whole idea. He basically says, you can be ticking all the religious boxes and still not be right with God. And the way that that happens is it's a posture of your heart. You know, one of the stories that always comes to my mind is the story of Cain and Abel, because a lot of people read it and they're confused because all it says is that um, Abel brought meat to sacrifice to God, but Cain brought vegetables and God liked Abel's offering more than he liked Cain's offering. So some people say, oh, so God likes meat more than he likes vegetables, right? So God's not a vegetarian, he's a carnivore. But that seems a bit interesting because, you know, it says that Cain was a farmer and Abel was a, a rancher. And so they both brought what they had, right, to make a sacrifice. So is God just, you know, Cain, it's not, what, he doesn't have a choice. He's got to bring his farm stuff because that's what he grows, right? And so the answer to this is that there's something in this story that we can't see. And that what that means is that it's not what Cain and Abel brought in their hands that made the difference. It's what they brought in their hearts. And we can't see the heart, but God sees the heart. And in the same way, you know, let's say you go into church on Sunday morning and there's a whole bunch of people in there. You can see what they're doing with their hands and with their bodies, right? They're being physically present in the room, but you can't see what's happening in their heart. Only God can see that. And this is what God is also telling us. It's like, look, you can, you can fool people into thinking something or, or thinking something about you, but you can't fool me, right? He knows exactly what's in your heart. He knows exactly what you're thinking, what's motivated you to do those things. And so can you do Christian things and not be abiding in Christ? Of course. And that, how do you know that you're abiding in Christ? It's a posture of your heart, not just of your hands. But I must say this, that the, the way the pendulum swings, right, is that people say, oh, well, because abiding in Christ is, is not something that is done purely through those physical actions. Therefore, those physical actions don't matter. And I would say, no, 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 don't go there. The physical actions absolutely do matter. They're what we call spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are super important. They help us, but they can't replace, they can't make up for our hearts, right? So they can't do it for our hearts, but they are actions which can shape our hearts. They're actions which, it's like like uh, digging a, a trench, right? Or like uh, with a plow, like plowing a row. You keep plowing that row over and over, it's going to get deep. It's going to get deep. It's going to help, right? And so sometimes when your heart's not in it, you should still go through the motion 
uh, physically. A lot of people use this phrase to say, oh, I don't want to just go through the motions. I say, what are you talking about? Of course you should just go through the motions if they're the right motions, right? If they're the motions, it's, it's a matter of sowing seeds, right? You sow seeds in faith, not in feelings. And sometimes we sow those seeds by our actions, right? I sing the song, even if my heart's not in it, because I know that by, by making these sounds come out of my mouth, I'm making a conscious choice, a choice of faith to shape the way I think and what I'm doing because I want that to affect my heart. I make a choice. I'm going to go to church even though I don't feel like it, even though my heart's not in it, because I'm going to ask God in faith to touch my heart through his word, even if, even if my heart's not in it. I'm going to ask him to do it anyway, right? So, so I just want to say this, that... Um, you know, for those who say, oh, I don't want to just go through the motions, I say, yeah, it's possible to go through the motions, but you know what? Sometimes the act of faith is to do exactly that and go through the motions if you're going through the right motions. That's good. And that reminds me of, you know, in Psalms, you know, David's only saying, like, lift up your hands and worship, and there's kind of, like, commands to clap your hands, and it's like, you got to do it when you don't feel like it, and the heart follows uh, often, yeah. so... You know, Augustine, yeah, Augustine had a lot to say about this. And I, I'm just going to recommend a book for you and anybody else out there who's interested. And it's by James K.A. Smith. He's got two versions of it. I'll give you, he has like a more academic version, uh, which is written kind of for um, for seminary students and things like that. And that that's a really good book. It's called Desiring the Kingdom. But the more like, um, you know, let's say like, accessible version of this book is has a different title it's called you are what you love you are what you love and so james k smith he's a professor of theology but he's an augustinian and augustine was really about this idea of that sin is disordered love and you know what defines you most is what you love and so you know he said that that's the exact thing right like our 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 hearts are shaped by the actions we do with our bodies so we should be intentional about those actions. Good. That's good. Um, yeah, and thank you so much. I, that helped clarify a lot of things. So, you know, if you could just say a prayer for me just to continue to abide in Him. And, um, I feel like the Lord's calling me to, to ministry, um, and so I want to make sure that my heart is just connected to the vine uh, always in my discipline. So. Amen. Let's pray for that. Lord, I pray for Jesse. Thank you, Lord, that he wants to serve you with his life and with his hands and with his heart and with his mind. So, Lord, I pray that you would help him, that in the posture of his heart, he would abide in you always. Lord, make him aware of those times when he is uh, disconnected from you in his heart, even if his body's going through the right motions. Lord, I do pray for him that you'd help him to stay in those disciplines that are going to help shape his heart in the right direction. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You bet. God bless you, Jesse. All right, bye-bye. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. We have we might have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Tyler in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Tyler. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Um, I kind of have... Uh... A loaded question dealing with multiple things, but I think it all comes down to, I think, one issue. 
So, um, pretty much my question is saying, um, like, how, how do I, or anybody listening, this is something I struggle with where I believe in God, I believe he died on the cross for our sins, and I try to live righteously and obedient to the best of my ability, but because we're all humans, we sin sometimes, not living in sin, but, you know, sometimes, you know, things happen, right? So my question is, how do I serve God out of love and me genuinely wanting to have a relationship with him versus um, out of fear? Because if I don't serve God, even though we have free will, I'm going to go to hell. So, like, it's either I live in obedience and serve God and everything's good, or if I don't, I'm going to go to hell because out of fear, I'm going to serve God because if I don't, that's where I'm going to end up. Yeah, I mean, I think here's the first thing I would tell you, Tyler, is that I think that you need, this is going to help to have, the thing you need most is a proper understanding of the gospel. Because when you really understand the gospel, it changes your motivation, which is exactly what you're asking, right? Like, how do I change my motivation from being motivated from following Jesus out of fear to being motivated to following Jesus out of love? And I think that that comes from truly understanding the gospel. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Is that you said, yeah, if you don't follow Jesus, then you're going to go to hell. Um, if you do follow Jesus, then, you know, are you just doing it out of obligation so you don't go to hell? Well, here's one thing I would tell you, and then I, I have one, one other thing to tell you. Uh, first of all, I mean, keep in mind this. You know what makes hell particularly hellish, according to the Bible? is that God is not there. That's what makes hell hellish, right? And so those who go to hell, right, it says in 2 Thessalonians that hell is this place where there is complete void, absence of God and absence of everything, right? It's outer darkness. And so this idea that, look, um, if a person has said their whole life, I don't love God. I don't want God. I want God to butt out of my life and not tell me what to do and uh, not be my Lord. I want God to, you know, leave me alone. There comes a point, the ultimate judgment of God is to essentially give people what they have insisted upon. And we see this in Romans chapter one, that God says, you know, that says that it's not that people didn't believe that God existed. It's, it's actually everybody knows that God exists. The issue is that some people try to suppress the knowledge of God in unrighteousness because even though they knew that God exists, they didn't like it. They didn't want to submit to him. They didn't like God. And so they said, no, 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 I'm going to pretend that God doesn't exist and push him out of my life. And it says that the ultimate judgment of God is when he says, okay, you don't want me in your life. I see that. I'll give you exactly what you asked for. Um, and, and you can see this in the history of Israel as well, like with Saul, King Saul. You remember that the people insisted upon something and the judgment of God was to allow them to have the king that they insisted upon rather than the king that God wanted to give them. And I think this is true in our lives too, is that the essence of what makes hell hellish is that God is not there. Conversely, the, the thing that makes heaven heavenly is that God will be there. And God is the source of light and love and truth and beauty and joy and the absence of God is the absence of truth and light and beauty and joy and everything that's good. 
So that's what makes hell hellish. That's what makes heaven heavenly. And so the question is this, do you want God for eternity, right? Do you want to be redeemed so that you can spend eternity with God? This is why we use phrases like desiring God, right? And so the, the second thing I tell you is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, by the way. It's kind of like my go-to chapter. If I was just reading something for myself to be encouraged in my heart, I'm going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And there it talks about this. It says that God has, through Jesus, reconciled us to himself. But then this is what he says. He says, if we are beside ourselves, meaning out of our minds, we are out of our minds for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for your sakes. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, for the love of Christ compels us. Right? I mean, think about this. Have you ever been compelled by something? It's like something grabs you by the collar, right? Grabs you by the throat. That's compelling, right? Something that grabs your attention. That's the idea here. The love of Christ compels us. It grabs us and looks us in the eye, right? It, and it does something to us. We feel that we've been caught up. We've been compelled to do something. Why? He says, he goes on, because we have concluded this, that he, Jesus, died for all, and therefore we have died with him, and he died for all so that those who live now might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Right? And so it's when we understand the gospel, which he articulates again down in verse 21 of that chapter, he says this, For our sake God made Jesus to become sin, even though he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that's the great exchange of the gospel, right? God gives us the righteousness of Jesus, takes away our sin. And when we really understand that, when it really sinks down from your head into your heart, it compels you. And it says, I want to follow him. I want to know him. I want to spend eternity with him. So it, that's how that motivation is formed. Okay. Um, uh, can, can I just say one last thing to LSU? I'm sure you have sure. other people yeah. on the line. Um, like, I, I hear everything you're saying, sir, but like just speaking for myself, I just like kind of piggyback what the gentleman before me said. But like, I feel like I'm, I'm going through the motions in the sense that like, like I read the word and I pray, but it's like, I don't, I don't, like I'm doing the action, but I don't feel, I don't feel a fire or a desire. It's just, I have to read the Bible because I, I have to. It's an obligation. Like I, I don't know how I don't, I don't know how to gain a desire. But I don't know how to get a burning desire because I know I have to do this. Because if I don't, I know where I'm going to go. And yeah. like I don't know how to get a desire just out of nowhere. Yeah. Did you hear the call before you? Just curious. Um. Yeah. I, I heard most of it. Okay. Because it was a really similar question, right? He was asking about going through the motions. And, um, you know, I, I would give you a few pieces of advice. Uh, one piece of advice is this. Well, first of all, I want to just give you a kind of a doctrinal point. The doctrinal point is this. Listen, brother, reading your Bible is not going to save your soul. Reading your Bible is not going to save you, right? You're saved by what Jesus did for you and not what you do for him. And that's really good news because you could never do enough, right? Like, what, what about the times when you don't want to, Right? But the good news is that you're saved by what Jesus did for you, not by what you do for him. So you read the Bible to get to know him, 
not in order to earn anything from him or to score any points with him. Uh, the second thing I tell you is, how do you grow in loving something? Well, you grow in loving something by beholding it, right? Like, um, I went to an art exhibit. I'm just trying to think of any example I can give you, but I went to an art exhibit. I wasn't that thrilled about art before, but as I was in that place, and I was with other people, by the way, who appreciated that art, they also showed me, they helped me to see this thing that I previously didn't appreciate and to understand it for how beautiful it is. And I think that that's important for you too, right? So beholding it, so looking upon it, looking at Jesus, that's going to happen through his word. So you read it so that you can see him. Then also doing it with other people who can help you stir up that desire, right? To change your heart, to help you see it for how beautiful it is. And then the second thing I would tell you is, or maybe it's the third thing, um, that book I mentioned here is um, called You Are What You Love. It's by James K.A. Smith. So You Are What You Love. And it's a short book, really good, but he talks about this topic. How do we stir up within ourselves love for God and love for other people? And he talks about how, in many ways, it happens through doing actions that cause us to love God. It's, it's like sowing seeds, right? You're not going to get the fruit of the seed unless you sow the seed and water the seed. So we sow the seed and water the seed with our actions. We plant the seed, and, and sometimes we do that even when we don't feel anything. So I just want to encourage you, you know, keep doing those. Sometimes you got to do those actions. You know, let's say you got to walk through the desert. Sometimes you got to do it and it, and you're just taking one step after the next and you're just in a dry, deserty place. But that's what it takes to get through that dry, deserty place is to keep taking, keep moving forward, keep taking those steps until you can finally reach that oasis, right? So uh, keep doing those physical actions, sowing to the spirit, and watering those things. You're going to do that by reading the Bible, by being in fellowship, by praying. But again, not because you're, you're saving yourself, because you're not, but because you know that you have been saved and you know that there's something more there. It, it reminds me of um, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, you know, they kept walking. Why? Because they knew that on the other side of that wilderness was the promised land. And so you keep taking one step and one step until you reach the promised land. But let me, let me pray for you, and then I do got to let you go. Lord, I pray for Tyler. I pray that you would build in him a desire for you, a desire for your kingdom. And Lord, that he wouldn't read his Bible and pray um, only because he's trying to earn salvation, but because he knows that in Jesus he has salvation. So Lord, we pray that you'd work these things out in his life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for calling, Thank Tyler. Thank you, sir. I right. appreciate you. Questions. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We're coming up on the end of the show, but we've got two more callers we want to get to. Let's go to Betty Jane in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Betty. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. What can we pray for you for? So I, I really need prayer for my daughter, uh, Beth, and my family. We're all pretty um, divided and... Uh, my daughter, Beth, is very ill mentally, and uh, so <clears throat> I, really, I really would love her to know the Lord and my daughter, but especially my grandson and my granddaughter. So anything you can do. And also I have a question. Um, are we all children of God, whether we're saved or not? 
No, we're not. That's a great question. It's actually one I'm going to address in the opening of my sermon this Sunday. I was just writing it before uh, I came on the air here today. So the answer is this. Uh, read John chapter 1, and it says this in John 1, verse 12 and 13, I think. He says, yeah, to all who received him, this is Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he's talking about in order to be born of God, the way to become a child of God is to be born of God. And that happens not through human work, but through the work of God. And so it's only those who have put their faith in Jesus who are children of God. So God loves all people. Absolutely. God created all people in his image. And yet the title child of God comes with legal ramifications and it belongs to those who have put their faith in Jesus. Okay. All right. That's great. And what you said before about hell being complete separation from God is just so great. I, I just loved it. It was great. Awesome. And, and I'm going to take the opportunity because you helped me out so much in setting me up. Anybody out there listening here in Colorado Come on out this Sunday and hear the full version of this message that I'm going to be teaching um, at our church for directions, for uh, service times. Check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com, or come out 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, Colorado. But again, whitefieldschurch.com for directions. And let me pray for you. So we're praying, remind me, we're praying for your daughter, Beth, and we're praying My for daughter, your daughter, Beth. Right. And I am also praying for a husband. I, I have to be honest. I'm... You know, I'm okay. really interested in having a partner and a companion who can be purposeful with me and um, really purposeful for the for God and, okay. and for his glory. So, Okay, let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Betty Jane. We pray for her in, in her own life. Lord, we pray for her that she would have a companion who loves you and wants to walk with you, somebody who can walk by her side as she walks with you, Lord, somebody who... Uh, with whom she can serve you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would provide that person if that is your will for her life. And I pray, Lord, give her patience and give her uh, surrender to you uh, as she waits. Lord, we also pray for her daughter, Beth, Lord, uh, struggling with mental illness. We pray for healing for her. We pray for clarity of thought. We pray for health. We pray for uh, chemical balance in her brain. Lord, we ask that you would bless her, help her, Lord, that she would be helped also by people around her. And we pray for her family, Lord, just that through the cloud of mental illness, Lord, that you would speak and that you would act and you would work and you would get the glory in her life and through her life. We also pray for a granddaughter. And we just ask, Lord, work in that family. Bring healing where there's brokenness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. And uh... God bless you. Thank you for all your all that you do. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's a joy. Thanks for thanks for saying that. God bless you. Bye bye. Hey, we got one time for one last call. Rick in Estes Park, Colorado. Hey, Rick, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick, thank you for taking my call. Um, hey, thank you for holding. I was telling the uh, no, no problem. I was uh, telling the gentleman here that um, my wife is not a believer at all, and um, I am. I go to Bible study on Wednesdays, you know, by myself. Uh, and it's caused a lot of problems, but um, I just want to appreciate you, uh, you know, 
Pastor Ed, I mean, I go to Denver twice a week because we have a small restaurant there. We have a few stores, and and uh, <clears throat> just listening to you guys, you know, it really helps me get, you know, get through the day. So basically, I'm just calling to say thank you, and maybe a short prayer. We're almost up to the end of the program. A short prayer for me and my wife. I'm Rick. She is Lisa. And that's it. I'm, that's what's that's on awesome. my mind. <clears throat> hey, we appreciate that feedback. So good to hear that. Let's pray for you and your wife. Lord, we lift up Rick to you. We lift up Lisa. And we thank you, Lord, for their marriage. We thank you for their relationship. Lord, we, we thank you for Rick, that he's feeding on your word, that he's growing in the Lord. Uh, thank you for their business, Lord. We also pray that their business would thrive. And Lord, you'd, you'd use it to provide, um, you know, tangibly for other people as well. And Lord, we pray for them. I pray for Lisa, Lord, that she would be saved, that whatever it is that is causing her to kick against the goads, to resist, to, to not surrender her life to you, Lord, I pray you'd bring her to the place of surrender. And I pray that you'd help Rick to be a good witness to his wife, to love her the way that Jesus loves, and that she would say, you know, if this is what following Jesus does to you, then I need it too. So, Lord, I pray that you would use Rick as a testimony and as a witness in her life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rick, that brings us right up to the end of our show. Hey, thank you for calling in. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Thanks for tuning in today. I'll be with you again next Friday here on Calvary Live every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Love to have you join us this Sunday at the church I pastor here in Longmont, Whitefields Community Church. We're studying... 1 Corinthians chapter 3, talking about how to grow, time to grow in Jesus. Check us out, whitefieldchurch.com. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.